Welcome to A Walk In My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, Makini Smith. The purpose of this show is to inspire you to walk in your greatness. We have conversations with amazing women that are letting us take a walk in their stilettos so that we can continue to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Today's guest her name is Catherine. Is it Farkerson or Farguson? I really. I, I was waiting to see how you're going to say it. <laughs> Farkerson. There we go. <laughs> so, Catherine is a mindset coach for entrepreneurs and creative thinkers. Please welcome to the show, Catherine Farkerson. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I probably should have asked you that ahead of time, but I, I realized as I was reading it, I was like, okay, I got this. I got this. Like my people yeah. butcher my name all the time. I can do this. I got this. And then I stumbled. I was like, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's about time. <laughs> well, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show and to share your inspiring story um, with the audience. I think that you have an amazing story that needs to be told if um you know yeah you're you're very welcome I was laughing actually because um I can't walk in stilettos (laughs) 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 so so this one is how I walk in my flats (laughs) yeah yeah well you know there's an interesting question later on that I will definitely ask you so that that answer will come in handy so yeah just keep that answer for that (laughs) so um you know interesting enough um Catherine and I, we both share the same mentor. We are both um, certified Proctor and Gallagher consultants. And I'll let her break down more about what that even means. But I heard her story on stage. Uh, We were in a room of about 130, 150 other coaches. And I thought, you know what? I love her story. Um, I want to share it. I, at the time, wasn't sure how, and by the end of our training, I had decided that I wanted to start a podcast. So this show was actually um, a, a product of us being in training earlier oh, this cool. year. Oh, I didn't know that. That's so cool. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So before I get into all of that, uh, I love to start the show by asking um, the women that come on, because we have all these titles that we go by, but I believe that a very important title that we have is our name, because we are called that every day, and it holds meaning. So do you know, Catherine, what your name means? I do. Catherine means pure. Mm-hmm. And I don't know exactly what, well, Ferguson is actually a, 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 a Scottish name, the sons of the Farkars, but it has a motto, which is fide a fortitude, um, okay. which is um, strength and um, fidelity and courage, essentially. Love it. I love yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. So let's start with your introductory experience to Bob Proctor. I want to know, you know, I want you to share what was that, that first um, moment for you where you came across who he was. And I guess you can start, I'll let you do the intro of who Bob actually is. Oh, oh <laughs> I'm introducing Bob. <laughs> well, I'm usually talking about Bob to people who don't know who he is. And right. the way that I always like to describe him is that he is a, uh, I believe he's 85 now, 84 yeah. year old man. Yeah. And he's from originally Toronto, Canada. And he has spent 
almost 60 years studying how to use the mind to create reality for yourself, to manifest your dreams, to, um, to uh, work with the universal laws. Mm-hmm. And so what I really love about Bob is that it's, he is the de- phenomenal deliverer of the information and of the content, but he's the first person to say that it's not his. So right. it's a lifetime of his collection of the lessons that he has learned to put into place over his life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then as a result, uh, he shares it with people around the world and he's changed millions and millions of people's lives. Uh, I, I love that you use that definition because when I'm sharing it with people who have no idea who he is, cause I'm mainly speaking, um, you know, to platforms where it's all women and sometimes they're in the millennial age group or sometimes I'd say maybe um, even well anywhere from let's say 24 to 44 and Mm -hmm. I just lead with you know have you guys ever heard of the documentary The Secret and then Mm -hmm. depending on the age group hands go up and I'm like do you remember the the uh there was a old man on there (laughs) yeah yeah I usually start with he's an old white man who Yes, basically. <laughs> yeah, I, I so, usually just say uh, that he's saving us sixty years. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So, when were you first introduced to Bob's material, like the material that um, he teaches? When did you first come across him? Well, what's interesting is that I was given a copy of The Secret in uh, two thousand and one is that when it came out 2002 anyway someone gave me a copy of the dvd Mm -hmm. um and i didn't pay any attention so that was actually when i first came upon it and i it it has solidified for me now that you really come to this kind of information when you're ready right and i and i wasn't ready right so um off i went on to continue struggling (laughs) (laughs) and uh, and then circled back around at the right time when i was ready so i um i was actually studying um neuro-linguistic programming at the time Mm -hmm. and um then i hired a coach who uh introduced me to bob proctor through one of the live streaming events called the paradigm shift that bob does Mm-hmm. And when I saw him presented, I was like, oh, this is this is all the information that I've been studying, but really, really clear and really, really simple. And it just really resonated. Right. And then I found out later than after that, that my teacher who had been studying NLP used to open for Bob on oh, wow. stage. So it all just comes back. Around. <laughs> <laughs> so I love how you say that, you know, that information, it, it was like you weren't ready for it the first time, because when I was first introduced to watch the movie The Secret. I wasn't ready for it. I had a friend that forced me to watch it when I was going through my divorce back in 2009. And I watched it and I was like, okay, that's great. Um, Uh You know, I I did a vision board, but I wasn't ready for it. So I had a total stranger reach out to me. um, And he said he followed me on Twitter. And he loved the positivity that I was putting out on there. And he offered me an opportunity to meet Bob in person. And I thought he was messing around. And I said, I'm sorry, buddy. I'm, I'm really busy right now. I was doing real estate at the time. And I said, I'm in the middle of, of putting together a real estate deal. Like, can you send me an email? <laughs> I can't talk right now. And he sent me an email with a picture of him and Bob and invited me to a conference out um, closer to where Bob lives out in Richmond Hill. And I thought, oh, wow. 
okay, this is for real. <laughs> and I actually showed up and it was a room of about 30 people and Bob was standing there at the door and he shook my hand and my mind was blown. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my first experience. Um, wow, how cool. Yeah. So, I mean, okay, so, you know, now we're both um, consultants for him, but when did you make that decision to become a mindset coach? I made the uh, decision to become a mindset coach about three years ago. Okay. That sounds around the same time. There was a training uh, last, was that? No, I started in October. The training, I believe, was December, January. Yeah. Were you I, at that I, one? My first, my, yeah. My first one was September of, of 2017. Okay. And when I, um, I, and I had signed up to join in August of that year. So I signed up and then went straight to the training um, and got busy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So can you walk us through, like you were previously a photographer, you know, what inspired the transition? Like walk us through your journey. Sure. Yes. So originally I, when I was a teenager, I really wanted to be a photographer and I don't come from a family that um, really goes off the regular beaten path. So mm -hmm. to do something in a creative environment that was, you know, risky or unpredictable is not anything that there was no model of that from where I came from. Mm -hmm. So it was very strongly discouraged. As in, I was told you can't make money doing that kind of thing. Right. And um, and so I was still young enough that um, I believed my parents. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I just thought it was something I couldn't pursue. And, but I really wanted to, you know, when you have that, um, that burning desire, it's, it's referred to so often inside where it's like, I knew that this was what I like deeply, deeply, deeply wanted to do, but I didn't yes. have any sense that that was possible for me. So it caused a lot of pain and anguish. And so I would, I went off to, um, to university and I studied sociology and uh, and then immediately was you know heading up the school newspaper as the photo, photo editor. <laughs> like I couldn't not be doing what I really wanted to be doing. So I was photographing my friends all the time. I was photographing events, um, and much more engaged in my extracurricular photography activities than my curricular. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, and. I also, at that time, um, I think the transition to university was very, it uh, was very jarring for me. And um, I think that I, now that I look back, I think that I didn't really have a sense for who I really was. I know that I didn't. I, I knew that I had this desire for photography, but I didn't really know. Um, I didn't have any, any emotional intelligence in terms of like being able to understand like how your thoughts and feelings work together. And anyway, so I fell into a, um, um, I got quite depressed and, mm. um, and I didn't know the way out. So, and I didn't know that there was a way out. So it became even scarier because it just became this like state that I didn't know how to control. And like, it might return at any given moment, like that kind of a feeling. Mm -hmm. And I remember I went to the, um, this is my longer version of your No, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> but I went to the psychologist at the school to, to get help. I didn't know what to do. And, and he was like, what's wrong? And I didn't know by this point. And he was like, come back when you know. Um, so it was very unsupportive. And um, 
So that actually began my personal development um, path because I needed to figure it out. I needed to, to, so I I, uh, started to engage in things that I thought could be helpful, like um, Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way and um, trying to read about things. And and I also thought that if I hadn't gone to study sociology, that I would have studied psychology um, because I was Mm. very interested in this stuff, but I, I never saw myself as being very good at math and it required math. So, right. Um, so anyways, as when I finished photography was now like a very, um, it was an active love. I was now fully engaged in it. And, um, uh, and so I went, um, backpacking for a year or for six months after university and I was taking photos. Um, that was my whole thing. I was taking photographs. All I wanted to do was photography. And then I, applied to journalism school while I was there and I um thought well I'll have that skill set I can write and I can take pictures right so um anyway I came back when that was done and I went to journalism school and um all I ever wanted to do was be the photographer for any story that I was writing it was a very very and again very painful time of like banging my head against the computer trying to get words out when that wasn't my thing right so there was this constant, like, if I were to look for, like, a theme, there was, like, this struggle between, like, what I wanted to do and then feeling like there was no possibility, like, no options for what I wanted. And, um, you know, now I'm in my, like, mid to late 20s and trying to pay for rent and um, not knowing, I had no, it was, I had no sense of the future. So, and because I had had this depression from earlier, it was always this fear, like, what if it comes back? Mm-hmm. Like, that was a big thing for me. Like, I'll do anything that I can do now to be happy so that I don't go through that again. <laughs> that been there, I've been there. Twisted logic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so what happened was I actually ended up, I was what we like to call like an unconscious competent, but I ended up applying a lot of the things that I teach people how to do without realizing that I was doing that. Mm-hmm. And I um, took some risks and got myself to be a professional photographer. It was a huge leap. It wasn't until I was 28 years old that I was like, it's now or never. Like, I don't have children. I'm not married. Like, my cost of living is relatively low. If I'm ever going to give it a go, it has to be now. Right. And so I made a decision that that's what I was going to do. And um, and I did. I started a lifestyle and wedding photography business, which Nowadays doesn't sound like a big thing. And I know I'm just made myself sound really old when I said that. Um, (laughs) But that industry has changed so much that the decision to be a photographer now, it still can be scary for people and um, comes with its own set of risks. But at that time in like 2005, it was like just turning into digital and like the industry itself was like upside down. And it's even more, it's like, it's even more saturated now. So it has its own problems now, but uh anyways it was a big deal to make a decision like that for me in my world Mm -hmm. so anyway it ended up being um fabulous i took a lot of the things that i now understand and uh really owned who i was as a photographer uh, and had the brand in such a way that it allowed me to still do all the things that i love which included like um, photography for nonprofits and travel photography and um destination weddings and all kinds of fun fun things so what ended up happening is that some of my colleagues started to ask me how how was I doing this, mm-hmm. and they were they were wanting to be able to do the same kind of thing for themselves. So I started to uh, 
informally help them. And then as I was sort of approaching 40, I was knowing that I thought that my time shooting weddings was ending. Mm-hmm. And um, and I went to a conference with a friend of mine and it was this amazing like creativity conference. And I was so inspired and it was all about like mindset and all these things. And I was so inspired and my I was talking to my friend and I was saying, isn't this great? And she <laughs> turned to me and she was like, Catherine, why aren't you doing this? Mm. And to her, she just saw it. She was like, this is your calling. Like, why aren't you doing this? And I was like, I felt like I had been outed. So I was like, <laughs> oh my God, you see that in me too? <laughs> and, uh, and so then I made a decision. That, that's what I was going to do. I was going to start coaching more formally. So that's what I decided to do. So that's, that was how I turned into the beginning of what I started to do. But it came with its own obstacles even there because you have to go through an entire um, I'm sure you you had to do the same thing for real estate, <laughs> like a full identity change. Yes. Yes. Which is jarring to your self-image, for sure. It's funny you mentioned that. So I, I talk about that in my first book because um, for me, even getting into real estate. So I used to be one of the most introverted people you would ever meet in your life. Like me having a conversation like this before would never happen. Um, wow. So <laughs> when I decided to get into real estate and that was because I was, uh, filed for my divorce and I thought, oh my God, I was used to being a stay at home mom. You know, there was money flowing. We could travel. We had multiple cars. I'm like, uh, how are you going to sustain this lifestyle for the children? Um, you know, I have to come out of my comfort zone and it, <laughs> I have to laugh when I think about it. You know, I was forced to network with other people. I was forced to go to events. I was forced to reach out to people through social media. I was forced to contact everyone in my network and say, hey, I'm in, in real estate now. You know, do you know anyone that I can help? Like, it was crazy. Oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> so, yeah, d- definitely comes with, yeah, doing things out of your comfort zone. Oh. Speaking of that, I mean, you, when, okay, during the training, you shared a story about doing your first, I believe it was your first seminar or webinar and how you used your social media to hold you accountable, maybe making that like announcement public. Can you share that story? Yeah, well, that was, the, that was part <laughs> of the self-image shift because all of the people who followed me on social media were friends or photography clients, essentially, and some other photographers. But um, so when I started to shift the business, I needed to speak to the photographers, which was great because they're already in my community. So that was handy. However, so were the clients and family and like people from <laughs> high school. And, and so I projected onto them all these judgments, which of course are really mine. Right. <laughs> our our <laughs> self-limiting beliefs. That's right. Which is, you know, it all took the form of like my mom and like one person I knew from high school. I put it pretended that she was thinking all these things, <laughs> uh, which was basically like, who does she think she is? Like she can't, you know, like, she thinks it was hard enough for me to become a photographer, but now I'm just going to like suddenly become a coach, mm-hmm. you know, like, and so all the judgments around that, it was so hard to flip the sharing online from being about other people and how wonderful their families are and, you know, being a promotional piece for them to flipping mm-hmm. it to being a promotional piece for like the, the things that I want to help them with. <laughs> Um, so that was actually, I had to, um, I actually started coaching, I say like in the closet, like I was like secretly coaching, (laughs) I had paying clients and no sign of it online. Right. Right. I was, I was, uh, I had to sort of stretch into it. 
So that I'm, I'm commend you for making those calls. It's, it's very challenging. So, well, um, yeah, yeah. No, I was just going to say when I, when I was doing that, I had another realtor say to me, you know, you're a real estate agent. You're not a secret agent. So if nobody knows what you're doing. <laughs> oh my God, that's good. So yeah. <laughs> that's really good. Um, yeah, I have to come up with something similar. Um, but yeah, but then what I found was when, once I got over it, I, it was liberated by it. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't care what people think. Like That's all right. I care about is that the people that are looking to hear what I have to say or who are looking for the kind of help that I'm offering, I only care what they hear. Right. Um, but other than that, I, 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 you know, if someone like, you know, unfollows or unsubscribes or, you know, like is, you know, disinterested, I couldn't care less. Right. <laughs> so I, it's so liberating. <laughs> uh, I love, uh, I love to quote Bob um, when he says, um, if you look at what people say and if you listen, sorry, if you listen to what people say and you look at um, what they do, they'll show you and tell you that they don't think. So why do you care what people think? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one makes you think. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is interesting because it's something that is so... Um, it makes so much sense to just our conscious mind. Like, oh yeah, I get, you know, when people are like, just be yourself and you're like, sure. Mm-hmm. But actually doing that is so different. You know, mm-hmm. it's so liberating, but it's like this, this, I like, we know that we should just be ourselves, but we like don't even realize that we're not until we are. <laughs> because we're, we're programmed to, you know, since from we're little to, to do what our parents tell us to do or, you know, to, basically be little robots you know don't say that you can't say this or make sure you say this or you know we're yeah. we're used to that so when you're told to be yourself you're like really <laughs> i can be myself oh yeah no i know <laughs> and i laugh because the same parents of mine that were saying you can't be a photographer you can't make money at it are now like creating new worries about <laughs> me and the coaching <laughs> i'm like oh it's actually the same pattern, no matter what the form. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So speaking of that, like what adversities have you had to overcome to get to where you are right now, the coaching? Um, well, I'm new at it. So not a, a whole lot um, that would be, I mean, everything that you would expect with starting a new business for sure. So mm-hmm. one of the big ones that I, uh, I help other people with, which is obviously something that I work on myself is just around, um, and I think it's so common for my female clients, but worthiness in um, pricing. So so being able to, so I work with, um, I have a, my, my group that I do with my coaching is all women. Right. And um, the theme around being able to, um, stand in your value and charge what you're worth so that you can have the life that you want to live is uh, an ongoing, ongoing, ongoing conversation. So I obviously, I live that myself. So um, learning how to uh, increase my own worth so that I am charging what I'm worth and then offering more to other people as a result. And, you know, that, that beautiful cycle that ends up happening. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, starting a business with a shaky new self-image can um, <laughs> does not necessarily lend itself to <laughs> profitability if you're not careful. So, okay. So how has self-image played a role in your current success? Because well, obviously you've had to grow that and develop that to get to where you are right now. Well, I actually think that it comes back to the being yourself part in the sense that the the feedback that I get from my clients is that they can tell how authentic I am Mm -hmm. and that I too live the material and I'm always growing and always, so I'm not coming to the coaching from a place of authority or better than, or something like that. I'm relatable. So they feel encouraged that they too can be like that, but not be like that as in be like up there where I am, but rather, well, Catherine's doing it. I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So interestingly, what, what what is so interesting is like the whole self-image idea isn't, I've realized, to become someone you're not and have a self-image of someone who you're not, but rather to to fully embrace the self-image of who you really are. Mm-hmm. So that's been that's been a huge a part of this for me. Huge. Like I can just relax. (laughs) I I love that. Like, you know, I had to develop a lot of confidence and deal with self-image issues when I got into real estate, but then transitioning into doing uh, coaching and mentoring and public speaking at first, I was like, I don't want to do this is, it wasn't even necessarily something I said I wanted to do from the start. Like I wrote my first book wanting to share my story to inspire people. And then right before my release date, they said, you know, you have to go to um, training for public speaking. And I said, for what? And they said, you have to go around and and talk about the book. And I was like, can't somebody else do that? (laughs) And they said, no, you have to do it. You have to be the one on stage. You have to be the one to tell your story. I was like, oh, well, uh, okay. So I had to get over that. And then now just being able to, um, you know, share my story online, because I, I felt like I didn't fit the image of what a public speaker was supposed to be because I'm shy and introverted. Like, so now the more that I embrace who I am and I'm honest about, you know, still having anxiety before I go on stage or, you know, the feelings that, that I get um, and even the excitement when I'm even given another opportunity, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> they want me to speak somewhere else, really? <laughs> so I share that stuff on, you know, Instagram and Facebook and uh, the ton of messages I get from women and from my clients, they love that I'm being authentic and sharing my experiences and who I really am. You know, it's, yeah, it's... it makes me think of like the um, the imposter syndrome of that idea of like, oh, when are they going to find out that I'm a fraud? Mm-hmm. When you are just outing yourself and you're like, wow, they've always been like, cool. Yeah. Um, then there's nothing to hide. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or I exactly. find in coaching that in this world in particular, because it's such a, such a fast growing industry. Um, there's a lot of, uh, of, of, that, that, that feeling of like, there's an, there's an image to portray and then there's an image inside. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so people like can be repelled by someone being, uh, you know, working with Bob Proctor or being a coach or being a holistic, what you know, mm-hmm. whatever. 
um, because of the the whole sheen that's put on. So it's I think it's like I really believe that it's like our duty to be as real as possible so that the information can actually be lived and received. Exactly. Exactly. And so that they can see that we are a product of the product. You know, we're yes. we're 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 under construction. We're working on ourselves <laughs> and we're helping other people, you know, do the same at the same time. Yeah. So the the word authenticity, I mean, it seems like in this day and age right now, you know, it's a highly used word, but from your experience, can you share how important it is to just show up as you? Like, you know, you talked about your clients, um, you know, they can feel your authenticity. Like how important is that to show up as you? I think it's the number one thing. So I'm just actually, as you were talking, I was thinking about my photography career and the photo, my, my photography style was extremely authentic. So, mm-hmm. um, to the point where my, I, I had to educate my clients on how to be authentic because oh. they wanted a certain look like, a mm-hmm. they want, they wanted me to take pictures that would, um, package them in such a way that made them <laughs> it was actually to produce the opposite right like right. Look how great we are or whatever they never would say that but I could tell by the way they were so self-conscious mm-hmm. you know the way they would move and they would like they want their child to perform in a certain way for them and I undid all of that mm-hmm. so um and I really have had the approach that no moment is um out of bounds you know, mm-hmm. like I would photograph the tantrums, tantrums, you know, <laughs> like that's all part of being a, the, the joys of being a parent and, and how quickly you flip between all of the places and that like a messy house is okay. And, you know, all of those things. Um, and also I found that the only way for them to even get remotely comfortable with what I was doing was that I needed to be so comfortable with myself. Mm-hmm. In particular, I'm like shoving my camera like right in their faces, um, contorting <laughs> my body all over the place, like getting into positions. And um, you can see why I could not wear stilettos. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, so what I have also realized now is that, that I think I can do what I do the way that I do it because of how I was in my photography. Mm-hmm. Like if I want other people, this is, this is the same across the board. If I want other people to be real, I have to be real. Right. And the only way they're going to, really change on the subconscious level is when they're being real with themselves and sometimes it's ugly sometimes you don't want to see it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know even um, the photo shoots people don't want to see what they really look like but you got to see what you look like it, it's funny you say that beautiful uh i i did a post yesterday on instagram and it was so i had done a family fall shoot with my kids last fall or i believe it was the fall before i can't recall um, but we looked like this sweet little perfect family. And my caption was, you know, throwback to that time when, and then I tagged the photographer you... and I said, when she made us look like a normal, loving, sweet family, because <laughs> really we're not normal. <laughs> like, no, it was just the... that image yes. that was caught at yes. that moment. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, the secret's out. Nobody's family really looks like that. Yeah. It's, it's not real guys. It's not real. <laughs> <laughs> but what I love is when you can see that the imperfect stuff, which I actually think Instagram's doing a pretty good job of in the in the alternate way as well these days, is um, it's just seeing that like I always loved helping people see how beautiful they really are. Right. That was my that was my mission in my photography. I wanted people to see how beautiful they really were. So uh, there was no photoshopping that happened. It was always like their real beauty. Right. And um, and it's the same thing in this work which i know you know that 
to be able to see, and so 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 great that we're even talking about this on the solstice. <laughs> to be able to see the darkness, yeah, is how you can see how beautiful the light is. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Uh, I had a, a client that emailed me yesterday. Well, actually, she's someone that um, I've been offering her our paid services. But in the meantime, I've been helping her out um, with little tasks until she's in that position. Um, she's work. She's working on her paradigm right now. Um, so, you know, there's some tips I've been giving her and she's on my newsletter and she sent an email yesterday talking about, she finally sees it where, you know, I asked her, where does she see herself five years from now? And before she couldn't answer that question because she didn't see things for herself the way that, you know, other people can. She was dealing with a lot of self-image issues and she wanted to leave her full-time position. And she does have, you know, what we call a side hustle. And she was saying, that before the year was over, in order for her to feel that she's made more money doing what she's passionate about so that she could leave her full-time job, that she needed at least seven more uh, clients to end off the year. And she had no idea how she was going to get that. She thought, you know what, at the rate that I've been getting clients, it's, it's not going to happen. It's not possible. And I sent her a message, um, told her that I wanted to pay for her service. And she said right after that, she ended up with all seven in one day getting all seven um oh my god how cool and, is that right, <laughs> i had like total goosebumps when she sent me the the email i was reading and she said that that made her eyes open so wide about what is actually possible for her and you know it, it she was emotional and you know you could tell she's emotional as she's as i'm reading her you know but it made me emotional for her to realize what she's actually capable of and that's a lot of what we do and it's it's so heartwarming isn't it the best <laughs> it's amazing to see people really tap into their own potential and to and to understand their worth and and how they can manifest the life that they really want yeah it is uh i don't know i mean i loved my other career but this uh there there's nothing like this mm -hmm. i mean it's it's, it's life-changing it's yeah, it's changing my life that it's yeah. changing their lives. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely life changing. You, you know, in okay, in this industry, I'm, I'm not sure about your clients, but you know, you said we you uh, work with mainly women, I do as well. Um, so I hear a lot of the sad stories. Um, you know, you hear a lot of their bad situations, but it's beautiful when you can help them work through that and turn their life around. So it, not only is it life changing for us to be able to help them get there, but obviously, you know, it's, it's changing their life. So in that, my question to you is, if you're not careful, it can take a toll on you. So can you share any of your self-care routines? Oh, what a great question. Well, as you were saying that, I was thinking um, right now, sometimes we'll have a conversation and one, so it's a group, and then we'll have a conversation in one of the lesson facilitations and like a theme will kind of emerge and now everyone's kind of working with the same theme. And this week's theme that seemed to have emerged was this idea that suffering is optional. Mm. So what, what happens, happens, and it can be painful, but you don't have to suffer. Right. So, so I really take on that approach as the listener mm -hmm. so that even though some I acknowledge that someone is going through what they're going through um, but I don't get sucked into the suffering component of their story right so the way that I look at it is that if 
if I get, I'm going to refer to it as the paradigm, but if I get, if I get sucked into their paradigm, if they're, if they're talking from their paradigm and I get sucked into their paradigm, then who's taking a stand for them? Right. So I do. And so uh, I always hold that bar a certain level so they can oscillate as they do, but I'm always going to hold that bar. So as a result, I actually don't find that I get that drained mm -hmm. because I don't take it on. I don't take on the emotions. I do yeah. through like, uh, you know, a sense of, um, compassion or a moment of like, oh, that would be hard, but that's it. Right, right. I don't, I don't actually believe it in the the way that we're so accustomed to, because then there's no learning from that experience, like you just described. So, right. with I understand that the, that from those hardships come the good stuff. So I'm I'm more comfortable with the fact that people have them. Good. Um, so, but my self-care routine definitely involves, um, uh, boundaries. Mm -hmm. So especially around, um, the workday ending and transitioning from work into home life. So, um, I discovered this the hard way cause I would, you know, get off a call with a client and then go like straight to dinner with my husband and I need a gap in between, oh, okay. gotcha. um, to almost switch gears energetically from the yeah. like holding the space person to just being more fluid. Right. Um, and sometimes I'll do that with even like a change of clothes, <clears throat> mm. like to, to symbolize it for myself. Um, and then I'm also, um, I get up early and I always do my morning routine so that I'm feeling, I start the day off taking care of myself so that I am available for other people properly. Yes. Yeah. Um, which includes journaling and meditating and um, some of our Bob Proctor work. Yeah. And um, and then I also, I have a dog, so I walk the dog a lot. And what I very frequently will just not take my phone and just go out and look at nature and look at the dog and, you know, chit chat to whoever's around on the street, stuff like that. Very small things, but mm -hmm. just they're basically like mental breaks so that uh, I'm always trying to stay connected to me and the moment enough that I am um, able to focus on the task at hand. I love that. I love that. Oh, and I take vacations. <laughs> <laughs> Those That's are important. <laughs> very important to me. Travel has always been very important for me. I, I definitely relate to, uh, to you on that, whether it's for pleasure or for business. I am all about the travel. Yeah. <laughs> my passport yeah. literally, I had to get a new one last year. My passport literally ran out of pages. So I was like, oh, that happens. It's, it's a real yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. When um, I remember when I was dating and I was, you know, looking for a partner, I was out with this friend of mine and he said to me, because I was always traveling with photography. It's always like a value of mine. It's very important. And he mm -hmm. said to me, you know, you're going to have to choose. And I was like, what do you mean I'm going to have to choose? He's like, you're going to have to choose. Like, do you want like a husband or do you want to travel? Because they don't go together. And I just what? looked at him and I was like. What? Uh, in my world, they do. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Any man that likes me is going <laughs> to. A, understand that I travel, and B, that I travel without him. <laughs> I don't, uh, you know, people always put their own limiting beliefs. Um, I know. You know, it, they, they, and then sometimes it's not even intentional where they, you know, they project their limiting views on you. I, I had someone say that to me uh, a couple years ago where they said, you know, you're going to have to choose. And I was like, choose what? And it was, you know, after, I think I, it was 
after real estate, I think I'd already transitioned, but I was like working so hard. I was all about the entrepreneur journey. I was excited, loved what I was doing. I was traveling. I was constantly speaking at engagements and they said, well, you know, you don't want to be single, a single mom forever. So if you, you either choose between, you know, you want a good, healthy relationship or you want your, your success as a entrepreneurial woman. And I thought, why do I have to choose? And right yeah. now I'm, I'm great. I have an amazing partner. We have an amazing relationship. We're both entrepreneurs. He is totally supportive and helpful of what I do. We travel together. Like I don't have to choose. No, I agree. <laughs> so before we go on to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell the listeners where they can stay connected with you online. Oh, great. That's a nice question. Um, <laughs> so, well, this is always difficult over audio. So my last name is Farkerson. So my um, Instagram, which is where I'm most active, is Catherine with a C. And then there's an underscore. And then there's Farkerson. So um, I'll just spell it. Should I just spell it? Yeah, you can spell it. Okay. It'll also be um, when they're listening to the podcast in your uh, in their what do you call it in the info section. All of your details will will be posted oh, there as well. Okay, great. So I would say then I'll leave that there. And then if you want to just look me up as a friend on your Instagram, you can also find me there. <laughs> there <laughs> just do go. a search under you. <laughs> that works. That works. <laughs> um, so, but Instagram is what I uh, am on mostly for social, and then um, I have a website which is. Um, mindsetcoaching.ca. Perfect. Perfect. So earlier when you said that you actually can't walk in stilettos. So <laughs> my, my next question, <laughs> uh, I read an article that said that your favorite type of shoe says a lot about your personality and, oh my God. you know, that could be, um, a boot, a running shoe, a flip-flop, a you know, stiletto, uh, I don't know, wedge, pump, mule, whatever it is. Um, the reason why I have many reasons why stilettos are my favorite type of shoe. And now that I'm getting closer to 40, I, you know, I can't wear them as often as I could before, but when I do wear them, uh, you know, they force me to walk with purpose. So I feel, um, <laughs> I feel like I can't just walk like, you know, a baby calf. I have to walk with confidence. I have to, I know, you know, I so know, <laughs> I know, I wish I could. My one of my best friends wears stilettos, and she just strides along, and I'm always like, "Daddy, long legs, get back here." Um, no, I yeah, unfortunately, I, um, I I I get that energy from stilettos for sure. I I I feel that from women. I'm like, wow, I wish I could do that. <laughs> I make up for it through um, my I, my favorite shoes are um, boots that are a color. So I make up for it in color, what I can't do with the heel. Mm -hmm. So my favorite pair of uh, boots, I have two. Uh, one was a orange patent. Mm -hmm. And then the other pair, which I'm wearing these days, is um, red the, uh, leather. And they're like, they're knee length boots. Mm. So I, like, I, my, I actually, like, physiologically can't walk in stilettos, so, but I like exactly what you're saying. I love the energy of it, so I feel like colored shoes are the way around it. Okay. So, so is I your, like a little pizzazz in my footwear. Would you, say that would you say your favorite type of shoe is a boot, then? Yeah, a high boot. Okay, so it says uh, a high boot wear. Um, oh, are, oh, you got you, it right you, there? Yeah, it's right here. 
that you take charge. A person who loves wearing high boots will always be the one to take control of the situation. Well, look at that. <laughs> there you go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. What does it so, say about the stiletto wearer? Uh, let me just go back. Uh, stilettos. Where are we? Uh, stilettos. That we work hard and have excellent taste. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So for the the final part of the show, um, it's I call it a walk in her stilettos, but you know we'll call it a walk in her boots for today, uh, where you just share <laughs> general <laughs> general um, inspiration from your walk. So there's uh, just a few random inspirational questions that I'll ask, and you say the first thing that comes to mind. Mm, okay, I'm okay. All right. So Catherine, name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. A Fine Balance by Rohinton Mystery. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, can I ask why? Oh. <laughs> Have you read it? <laughs> no. No, I just always like to know why that's someone's favorite book. And then I add it to my reading list. And I'm like, oh, that sounds good. So it's fiction. And it's like a bazillion pages. And it's about <laughs> India. And it is his writing has always moved me like no one else. And he, when I read A Fine Balance, that was when I, um, I felt that stirring in my heart and um, went to India. And I've since been to India four times. And, oh, wow. And it's from that book. And like, I live out the book in my eyes when I go to that country. Like, it is <laughs> I love it. an incredible book. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Um, if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? Oh, God. <laughs> no idea. Um, well, uh, I saw lights. I'm just saying what came to my mind first, like you said. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty with like, it's lit up. And I think that it has a message. Um, oh, you know what it has? It has those glitters that if it blows one way, it says one thing. And if it blows the other way, it says the other thing. Yep. Um, and. Oh, and I'll just use Bob. It just came to my mind. So one <laughs> side says, if I'm going to be free. And the other side says. <laughs> Gotta be me. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Love it. I love it. Okay. Okay. Um, name one of the most worthwhile investments you've ever made. That could be money, time, energy. Um, well, a hundred percent in my, um, in my coaching education for sure. Awesome. Whenever personal development, people, personal, personal development. Yep. I mean, I've spent, yep. I've I've spent an extraordinary number of dollars on my personal development. And I always laugh when, you know, people are humming and hawing about signing up to work with me. And I'm like, you have no idea what I've been <laughs> um, Exactly. <laughs> and it just pays off in bazillion folds. So for sure. That, yes. Perfect. I love it. Um, okay. What new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? 
it's a very difficult question with our work, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, new belief behavior. Well, the biggest one. So you said five years, which means um, the biggest one really has been about learning that I am 100% responsible for what happens in my life and mm -hmm. I own it. I'm a hundred percent at cause. So okay. that, yeah, that has, that, that, as soon as that flip from victim um, to Victor, <laughs> to, to Victor, yeah, yeah. Uh, that changed everything. Okay. And last question, what have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? And that could be distractions, invitations, people. <laughs> like ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> that could be anything. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm uh, actually, you just meant, made me think of it, but um, television for me. Like uh, I used to, you know, get hooked on a new show on Netflix mm -hmm. and then binge watch. And um, it's just not even an interest of mine now. Like Occasionally, I'll watch a, a, a show that has like maybe one season. You know those shows that are like solid one season shows, mm -hmm. and I'll make like a night of it. You know, like or a, not a, not one night, but over a period of those eight days or whatever, my husband and I will watch them. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't, I don't engage in like um, that kind of television watching anymore. It's it doesn't even cross my mind anymore. You know, it, it's interesting that you say that because many of the people that I speak to that are um, heavy into personal development don't watch TV. And oh, really? I, yeah. Uh, so I gave up TV um, back 2012 when my sister passed away. Um, I used to watch like soap operas and shows and like American Idol and all those shows that like, I used to find time. I don't know where and mm -hmm. watch all of those things. And then uh, when she was in the hospital, she was in ICU for three weeks straight. And as a family, we sat there for three weeks straight and they had the TV on the news, uh, CP24. So it was mm -hmm. the news 24 hours a day for three weeks. Imagine sitting there wow. and that destroyed my paradigm for a minute and I thought you know what I don't want to see any of that stuff and I don't yeah. want to absorb any of that stuff and I feel like I'm not becoming a better person from any of it how am I growing from this what is this doing yeah. for me and I canceled my cable and that was it mm -hmm. I have not had cable since 2012 that's awesome do you yeah. have Netflix uh I don't <laughs> I don't. <laughs> it's amazing how in a saturated environment like that you really feel it. It's really yeah. uh yeah, it's um it's oppressive. Yeah. Like that kind of like the news, like CP24 news stuff like that is um um yeah, it's oppressive. Mm -hmm. Um and it's such a it's such a oh, for me it was this one particular television show that I, I forget the name of, but it had um each each episode kept counting so they called them chapters so it'd be like chapter one that was how they started out each um episode they started with mm -hmm. a chapter and i got to chapter 72 <laughs> oh. and wow. I was like, oh my god i've just watched 72 hours of this garbage mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you don't 72 realize hours it. you don't get back no yeah I didn't even you don't realize it show. <laughs> so now when people ask me oh my god where do you find the time to do this i'm like i don't watch tv 
Yeah. <laughs> and with, don't you also find that like half the conversations of small talk, you have no idea what anyone's talking about? Oh, I'm horrible at small talk anyway. Like that's the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't do small talk very well. I could admit that. I'll own it. <laughs> so it makes it even easier when they're like, oh, that show. I'm like, mm, sorry, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. My friends now have gotten good at like if they're in the middle of a conversation and I'm there, they'll mention someone and then they'll turn to me and be like, That's the guy who da 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 I love it. I love it. I love it. So is there any, any last thing that you want to share with the audience before we go? Um, no, I just want to say that I just love the concept of this whole podcast. I love, I love you sharing these stories. Um, I enjoyed listening to them and I've enjoyed feeling, um, I just love the idea of the relatability through these kinds of conversations. So it's just so honored to be a part of this conversation because this is, this is amazing what you're doing. Well, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to join us and, you know, hopefully we'll have you back on again soon. We'll have some, I'm sure we'll have tons of growth within the next year. So we'll have new stuff to share. <laughs> yes. I'll have a new, oh, that'll be my mission. I'm like, I'm <laughs> Good stories for the podcast. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'll oh, be back. Thank you. <laughs> thank you once again, Catherine. I definitely appreciate you. I look forward to seeing you again soon. So yes, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> until next time, download the Awaken My Stilettos app and subscribe to our newsletter at awakenmystilettos.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. Let us know what you thought about the conversation. What do you have to share? and share it with a friend that you think may benefit from this conversation. So continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling.